are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Submission to the authorities. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you, for he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Great. Thank you, Aaron, for reading. I was just thinking, some of you know what line of work Aaron is in, and here he's our assigned scripture reader for this Sunday. And so, Aaron, we honor you and respect you, as the passage says. We asked the question today, what is something in this country that you're grateful for? Because we seem to be living in this time where it is easy and acceptable to complain. And I find that gratitude for me is a great medicine against an ungrateful heart. So today we name things that we love about living in this country. And maybe you shared some lighthearted examples around your tables. Maybe your favorite all-American foods. My wife Esther was at women's retreat at Camp Shamanah last weekend, and she brought home for me and the kids bottled root beer. And so we got to clink glasses around the table and enjoy that together. Or maybe you mentioned something that would be more meaningful at your table. I think of what it means for us to have a banking system where you can safely steward your finances. Or what it means to have a good doctor and clinic to go to. Or the ability to worship in freedom and follow Jesus. The list is a mile long. We have so much to be grateful for. And gratitude is an important quality in an age of division. We're studying the second half of Romans. And we spent the last couple of weeks in Romans chapter 12. And it's in the first couple verses of that chapter that really the tone is set even over what we're reading now today in chapter 13. And so I'll remind us two weeks ago of that lead-off verse in Romans 12 where Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And in our own words, we sum that up. Here's what we said. Give your whole life over to God. Let God change you and use you for his grand design. And wouldn't you know it, one of the ways that God wants us to give our life over to him and to change us is in how we relate to authority. And particularly in Romans 13, governing authority. 
You know, whoever might try and tell you that the Bible is an old stuffy book that's irrelevant or out of date probably just doesn't know the Bible real well because I find the Bible incredibly practical. And here it is, everything that we need for life and faith contained in these pages, what God has given to us in his word. And here we are in Romans with the towering theology of this book and we're finding a very practical application today to the area of politics. So just as a warning, you know, they say not to talk about religion or politics, and today we're going to do both. (laughs) Fred saw me before worship and said, I really wonder what you're going to say today. (laughs) All right, well, our premise, though, as we open the pages of Scripture, is if the Bible talks about something, well, then we want to talk about something. With God's help, that's what we intend to do today. And a lot of prayer for his mercy. I've outlined this passage under three key statements. Keep in mind, Paul is not giving us a full treatise on the topic of how we relate to the government. But we have these three very key principles that emerge from the text. And the first one is this. Submit to governing authorities because their authority is given by God. The first verse. Paul says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, when we hear this verse, probably a good number of us immediately think of something like the president. But I want to remind us of the great variety of governing authorities that are in place. So at the federal level, yes, we have the president, but also Congress and the Supreme Court. And various departments like the State Department and the Treasury and the IRS, which we'll get to talk about a little later in the passage. But we also have governing authorities at the state level and, of course, locally. So we're thinking this morning of the mayor and the city council, law enforcement. And we think, too, of other governing authorities like a school board or the county or students The teacher at the front of your classroom, that is someone who is governing over you. Now, most of our application today is going to be around governing authority in the political sense. That's the primary application Paul has in mind. But don't miss the wider scope of governing authority in general. So that could be a parent or a boss or a referee of a game. What Paul says to us right off the bat in this passage is that we are to be, what's the word, subject to governing authorities. And the word that's used there is a wonderful New Testament word in the original. It is hupotasso, to be subject or to submit. And I think this is probably one of the New Testament words that we wrestle with the most in our human nature. Because the human condition, apart from Christ, just doesn't want to submit to somebody else. I want my autonomy. My unimpeded freedom. I want my rights. And we recognize these kinds of sentiments around us, don't we? Paul says, though, submit to governing authorities. And you know why? You know the basis for it. It's not because the governing authority is always right. No, what does he say? It's because their authority comes from God. 
He says there's no authority except that which God has established. It doesn't matter the form of government or the country or past or present. All human authority is in the end derived authority that exists under the sovereign hand of God. You remember what Jesus said to Pontius Pilate in the exchange there towards the end of the Gospels? Pontius Pilate was interrogating him, and he said in John's Gospel, Do you refuse to speak to me? He said to Jesus. Don't you realize that I have power either to free you or to crucify you? You remember what Jesus says? He says, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You see, even Pilate and U.S. presidents have an authority over them whether they like it or not. And the reason God establishes governing authorities is that he has a specific job for them. What is the purpose of government? Biblically speaking, what is the purpose of government? It is God's ordering of human society for our good and for his glory. God has established certain institutions, so think of marriage or government, that are there to benefit the flourishing of all mankind. That's why it says in the passage that to disobey the government is to disobey God. Now, are there going to be exceptions to this? That's what Fred and I were talking about. Yes, of course, and we'll get there shortly. But don't miss the general principle. It's very clear in verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants. Remember, it's derived authority. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. One of our high school students was writing in their message moment from last Sunday that their big takeaway came from verse 19 about not taking revenge. So if you are here last week or you know the passage, you remember this verse where Paul says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. And it's interesting now, just really what's a few verses later, to see the connection in today's passage. The state is permitted to do what the individual believer is forbidden. That responsibility of extracting punishment is given to government. Instead of us as individual citizens running around and seeking our own justice. And so all this to say the existence of government is a gift from God. Do you believe it? The existence of government is a gift from God given to the whole world. It's under God's common grace. And I love the way that N.T. Wright put this in writing on this passage. He said, chaos and anarchy... So the absence of government enables the powerful, the rich, and the bullies to come out on top, which they invariably do. God desires that even in the present time, even in the world that has not yet confessed Jesus as Lord, there should be a measure of justice and order. Now all of this, of course, gives rise to the question, what if a governing authority is ungodly. What if the government institutes a law that goes against what God has commanded? 
And so to answer that question, I want to start with Paul in this passage by reminding you that he is writing Romans not in any way oblivious to this kind of objection. Not at all. He is writing to the Romans in the Roman Empire where the government certainly was not operating under some kind of Christian framework. Quite the opposite in many ways. It was the Romans, after all, we remember, who had put Jesus to death. And it will be the Romans in a few short years who will kill both Peter and Paul, the one writing these words, because of their commitment to Christ. So as you take in these words, and as we ask skeptical questions, perhaps, of the text, we must keep in mind that Paul does not write about submission naively. He knew very well that the government could act in an ungodly way. So the question, what do we do when that happens? And here is the answer. When a human authority decrees something that is clearly in conflict with the command of God, we obey God. I'll say it again. When a human authority decrees something that is clearly in conflict with the command of God, we obey God. And I want to illustrate this right from Scripture with a few key stories. Exodus chapter 1. Pharaoh commands the Hebrew midwives to kill any boys who are born to the Israelites. But it says that the Hebrew midwives feared God. That means they were following God. So they did not do what Pharaoh had commanded them. In fact, they even lied to cover it up. And we think of stories maybe like Corey Ten Boom or Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Germany. Daniel chapter 3. There's a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar who builds an image of gold and he commands everyone to fall down and worship it. Three young men do not. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And facing the fury of the king and the fiery furnace, what do they say to him? They say, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Daniel 6, third example. It's a different king. It's a different command. King Darius He gets tricked into making a law, punishable by death, that for the next month, for 30 days, you can only pray to him, to the king. One man doesn't. His name is Daniel. And he only prays to God. He disobeys the law and is thrown into the lion's den. One more example now, this one from the New Testament, the book of Acts. In chapter 5, Peter and the apostles are arrested and brought before the court, the Sanhedrin. And the high priest says to them in that passage, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. He's talking about the name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Acts 5.29, Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than man. So those four examples I set before you, there are a few others, and they would fall in line with these kinds of categories. And you can see in these examples that the bar is set high to warrant Christian disobedience. Look at the examples we just listed. If the government tells you to take someone's life, 
to worship another God, not to pray, or to stop sharing the gospel. And so we remember again this principle, when a human authority decrees something that is clearly in conflict with the command of God, we obey God. What this also means is that in general, and that is the sense that Paul is writing this, Christians are to obey governing authorities. The bar for disobedience is high. And so as we pick up this text, we don't want to flood Romans 13 with all kinds of quibbles and qualifications that we then miss the clear concept. In general, usually, normally, we submit to governing authorities because their authority is given by God. I read an excellent article by Kenneth Birding. He's a professor of New Testament, and he was writing on the matter of civil disobedience. And I want to share this summary quote for you. He said, Unless we have biblically derived reasons for doing something contrary to what the government has ordered, we should seek to faithfully carry out whatever has been directed, even when doing so makes us uncomfortable or appears unreasonable. Paul, in the Roman Empire, would have understood that. Governing authorities, for better or for worse, ultimately will answer to God. Now, can we disagree on a political policy? Absolutely. Can you disagree with vigor? Can you campaign against it? Can you let your voice be heard? For sure. The question then becomes twofold. First, you have to weigh, is it worth the investment of my time and emotional energy? And secondly, if so, what kind of attitude do we display when we disagree? Because even if we feel that it's worth it, and we will give it everything we have got in whatever scenario that might be, there is no way around the New Testament mandate of humility, grace, Meekness and faithfulness. If we are following Jesus, then that is the way. Let's move to verse 5. And now moving a little more quickly through the text. Here's the second key statement of the passage. And really, in some ways, it's a reiteration of the first. Submit to governing authorities because you desire to do what is right. Paul says in verse 5, Therefore, It is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. In other words, Paul is saying, don't just obey the law to avoid getting in trouble, but do it because it's the right thing to do. Conscience is our knowledge of God's will and purposes. And we link it back to chapter 12, don't we? The renewing of the mind means, what did Paul say? That you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that has practical outworkings for you and me. Like how we interact with governing authority. I love this statement from Doug Moo in his Roman commentary. We'll share this one on the screen as well. So Doug Moo Every time I see his last name, it makes the inner third grader in me chuckle. Um, (laughs) Doug Moo says, 
Christians should give thanks for government as an institution of God. We should pray regularly for our leaders. And we should be prepared to follow the orders of our government. But we should also refuse to give the government any absolute rights and should evaluate all its demands in the light of the gospel. I know that's a longer quote, but do you see the balance contained within it? Do you see joyful submission, but not absolute obedience no matter what? And I love the positive commands. These are coming right from Scripture, by the way. Other passages we don't have time to look at this morning. Give thanks for government. Pray for our leaders. Be prepared to follow orders. And isn't this so different from what we usually hear? Can you imagine arriving home from church later this morning or after lunch and you step out of the car and your neighbor sees you whistling and you got an extra spring in your step and he says to you, hey, what, what got into you? And you say, oh, you know, I'm just giving thanks for the government and praying for the president and obeying the law. They would look at you like you're crazy. The Jesus way, the Jesus way is different. And there is so much joy and freedom in it. Let's go to the third and final statement. Number three this morning. Submit to governing authorities by giving taxes, revenue, respect, and honor. Verses six and seven. Paul is making specific application now for this idea of submitting to governing authorities. Here's what he says. This is also why you pay taxes, right? Application. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, he says, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Paul lists four obligations, in this instance, that we have to the government. The first two of which are financial. The first one, he says, is to pay our taxes. And so that's things like income taxes and property taxes. The second thing, he says, is revenue. And that word means indirect taxes. So that would be things like sales tax or fees for services or toll roads in Illinois. I'm so glad we don't have those here. But have you ever thought of Paying the government as something that is pleasing to the Lord? I have not often thought that way in my life. But you read Romans 13. When was the last time that you heard somebody say anything positive about paying their taxes? But here it is, Romans 13. And then come these two other things in the list. Honor and respect, and I'm telling you that these might sometimes be harder than the first two. F.F. Bruce looks at this list and he concludes, obeying laws, paying taxes, and respecting authority are ways of serving God. We owe these things to the government, but ultimately it's because we owe them to God. Of course, we've all had tremendous opportunity to practice these things the past couple of years, haven't we? That's what makes Romans 13 so timely today. 
And I'm going to let you draw your own conclusions about how to apply Romans 13. But I do want to give you some specific questions that you and I might ask ourselves. How do I speak about governing authorities, especially about leaders I don't agree with? Or ask the question, what kind of attitude do I display for my children in our home? Or what do I post or say on social media, if you use social media? Another question, am I submitting myself to another's leadership because I have to or because I want to? And one last question, am I thankful and prayerful for those in authority? I want to close this morning by telling you about Clement of Rome. He was the next generation after the apostles. So he's mentioned by Paul in Philippians, and he was ordained into ministry by Peter. And after both Paul and Peter were killed, the leadership of the church in Rome fell on Clement. Which means, looking at the history of the Greco-Roman world, He led the church during the persecution of Nero. And years later, and more recently, at the end of his life under Emperor Domitian. But I want you to listen to the prayer that we have from Clement's letter from Rome to the church in Corinth, written shortly before the end of his life and the turn of the century. He said, this is a prayer, Guide our steps to walk in holiness and righteousness and singleness of heart, and to do those things that are good and acceptable in your sight and in the sight of our rulers. Grant them health, peace, harmony, and stability, that they may without failure administer the government which you have given to them. Clement wrote that near the end of his life, just before Emperor Trajan had him arrested, tied him to an anchor, and threw him into the sea. Was he wrong in his prayer for leadership? Should he have taken a harder line? I don't think so. I don't think he regretted it for a minute. Like Peter and Paul before him, he lived his life in submission to God. So that like the psalmist, he could say, what can man do to me? I will trust in God. I am not afraid. Let's pray together. Lord, as we heard with our third graders this morning, your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know, Lord, as we have taken up the weightiness of this text this morning, you know, Lord, full well how we should apply it to our lives. And Lord, perhaps like me, if some of us have been reading this morning, 
And we realize that we have acted or said things in the past that have been unwise or unsubmitting. We ask, Lord, for your forgiveness. Lord, we ask for your help, especially in challenging times, to give thanks for those in authority and to pray for their success. Lord, give us the strength and the humility to do these things. We ask in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.